This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. All right, today I am joined by uh, Layla Eldridge, who is, she's in Italy. She was born in England. She spent a lot of time in South Africa. She's kind of uh, a woman of many places, all over, all over, all over Europe, uh, well, and Africa, I guess. Um, here in America, we just sort of say, you know, other places, just, <laughs> just other. <laughs> we're not very good at geography. So, um, Layla is a, an illustrator. Uh, she's been an actress, a restaurant owner, an author. She's an unschool mom, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Primarily, is unschooling. So, Layla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on it. It's an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. So I want to kind of start with your story. I, I you know, read a few bios and um, we email back and forth a little bit, but it, it sounds yeah. like you have quite a diverse set of personal experiences. Could you sort of walk me through kind of your, in a nutshell, your, your kind of career history? Um, yeah, I can. Um, I can. Yes, I can. Um, it, you're right. It is very diverse. I've had a very diverse kind of life. Um, so my career history, I, I trained as an actress in London at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And um, I did theatre for about 10 years. And um, so I, I mainly was doing theatre around Europe. And um, I had my own theatre company for a while that took a show to India. And um, so, yeah, so I did theatre for quite a long time. And then I got a scholarship to go and study theatre in South Africa, which was amazing. I got this incredible scholarship and I spent nine months working with different theatre companies and different um, people that were doing theatre in South Africa. So that was an amazing experience. And that also made me fall in love with South Africa. My mum's South African, so I've got kind of South African heritage really okay. and then um so so that so my that's a very quick history about my acting career and um and then it's funny because as a kid I, I always illustrated and I was never sure whether I wanted to be an illustrator and an artist or an actress and I end, I've all ended up kind of doing both so throughout all of this I've always illustrated even when I was at drama school I was illustrating t-shirts for people and making a bit of money on the side illustrating for everybody so um, I carried on illustrating all all through my life really and um, and so I yeah I, when I was in uh, I went back and forth to South Africa so what, when I was in South Africa I um, went to a publishing company with an idea for a cookery book that I would travel all around South Africa and get different um, recipes from all the different cultures. And to my amazement, they said yes. And um, so I ended up with that. Well, actually, I was back in England doing a theatre job when they phoned me and said, can you come back and do the, do the cookbook? So I went back to do the cookbook and I travelled all around South Africa and I met amazing people from all different cultures and I studied different types of food and I sat outside houses and shops and and restaurants and I illustrated so that that was a book called the South African Illustrated Cookbook so um so and then and then like 
I've done so much, I feel a bit odd. <laughs> but I, because I actually sort of think that uh, uh, the acting and the illustration, despite the fact they're two completely different worlds, that there is a crossover of creativity, you know. Yeah. So, so, and then from then on, I, I, I did some work in the film industry as well. And I'm, I met my husband, he was in the film industry. And then um, we ended up... Um, buying a farm and living a, a couple of hours outside of Cape Town. Well, hold on a second. I got to stop. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm going too fast, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. To the restaurant bit. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I <laughs> want to get to the restaurant. But I got to stop you right there because there's sorry, that's was... really interesting. You've got uh, two people in the creative industry and in, in, you know, arts and entertainment. Yes. And then you get married and you decide to buy a farm. What was the what was the yeah. uh, the thought process there? Was it yeah. like because uh, it was a yeah. beautiful or, or was this a, a working farm? Were you were you actually like growing things? Well, we were growing things. Um, I think we were growing a lot of children actually at the time. I was <laughs> really pregnant with twins, and um, I was heavily pregnant with twins. And I think you know it kind of that's was a that's a it's interesting you noticed that. Um, in my conversation because actually that was a really big shift for both of us. We were both busy. He was in the film industry. I was in the film industry. And um, and then I kind of think we we both had a big moment where we stopped and thought, whoa, hang on a minute. We, we're going to have children and we can't carry on with this chaos at this period of our lives. So so we, we've made a big jump and we... Uh, bought a farm and we moved out of the hustling, bustling city of Cape Town, which is a fantastic place. And we moved kind of to the middle of nowhere to an apricot farm. And we, in all honesty, we didn't really know much about farming. <laughs> and it, so we spent kind of, a, uh, uh, I mean, it was an amazing time. It was a beautiful time. And we spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time watching my husband walking around with pipes and sort of blowing things up by accident <laughs> and the kind of and it was it was a kind of crazy time because in that period as well we had children very quickly we had three children in three years so I had twins and then I had a little boy two and a half years later wow. so it was a kind of we it was almost like life stopped for not stopped but just changed gear for three years and we were just in the middle of nowhere and um, yeah, it was a very, it was a very interesting time. It really was. So, kind of so did you get like, you got, you sort of enjoyed it, but then you realized you wanted to get, get back into the mix a little bit and you moved back to Cape Town or, or what was well, the uh, process? Yeah, well, it, yeah, it kind of, we, no, we really, really enjoyed it. And it, it, I remember my husband saying it can go either way. We can end up like living here and never moving um, forever and being isolated and self-sufficient or we could meet more people and get sort of get back into life in a way. And so, so we didn't go back to Cape Town. What we did is we we um, we so we actually sold the farm and we had a, a, another place in Montague, which was the local town. And we bought this beautiful falling old building and we turned that into the restaurant. And it was kind of interesting because in the first two weeks of moving out from the farm, which was kind of like a magical magical place. Um, we ended up in the restaurant within two weeks. We probably met more people in those two weeks than we'd met in about two and a half, three years on the farm. So hmm. uh, you're right. We kind of needed to get engaged with other people a bit, I think. And, um, and the restaurant, did you, I mean, did you start it from scratch? Like, were you guys actually doing the cooking and serving or did you have a, a staff that you hired? What was that like? Do you know what? We started it from scratch and, um, 
you know, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, we, we got incredibly creative. We're, we're both very creative and we got all into the design and it looked beautiful. And we had this huge project going on and we were sort of designing it, I think, a little bit like you'd design a kind of cafe in the middle of London. And it was vegetarian and, and it was very gorgeous. But the truth of the matter was, we, it wasn't really fit for purpose. We were living in a kind of very quiet, sleepy little town where they love meat and <laughs> they're that interested in, in, you know. I mean, of course, there were lovely people that came through the doors, but where we were living really wasn't, we weren't in the centre of London. So in a way, we started up this um, incredible project, but it, it, it wasn't that it was... Um, a disaster it was a lot of fun but it kind of we were sleep deprived as well you know so it was because we had three kids that weren't necessarily sleeping very well so that whole project was um it was a it was it was fun but it was exhausting but you know did you yeah you you ran the uh, in your bio i thought i remember reading you ran that restaurant for a long time didn't you yeah. or no yeah yeah we ran it we ran it for a while we ran it initially um you see my I think I was so sleep deprived, even my memory's gone from that period. <laughs> it's a bit worrying, isn't it? No, we actually, we ran it, I'm getting my orders mixed up. We ran it initially as a restaurant and accommodation because we had a little bit of accommodation there as well. And it was, it was lovely. And, um, and we, we set everything going and we actually got people in to work there. That was the first time we did it. And then, and then actually it kind of turned into something that we weren't ready to do because we were, we just weren't ready to run a full restaurant at that period. Yeah. And, um, and I think also like, you know, if you, if you, I think the idea of running a restaurant is wonderful, but then you realize you, you have to be there forever, you know, <laughs> all the time, you know? So, um, so, so anyway, then it closed for a while and then we, we actually moved into that building and then we opened up kind of a more relaxed version of it, which was just a cafe. And that that was actually um, that was when it was, we were more authentic with who you know just we would say to people when they came in the door you know if we have three young children and if you like if you want your food really really fast there's a really good cafe down the road but if you want to sit and relax they, <laughs> it may take time but you will get your food and actually it was wonderful because what happened is actually I think as soon as people realised how slow everything was. And they got into the kind of swing of being in our environment. People stayed for hours and hours. Huh. So actually, the second time round, it was it was a really it was a magical experience, you know. And also for, for the kids because they they had grown up a bit by then. I mean, they were little, you know, but they were taking things to the table and talking to people. And we had uh, a wonderful woman. We always had amazing people working for us, and and so it was part of a big kind of. Uh, community where they got to meet lots of amazing people and have lovely experiences. So I always think that their sort of unschooling education started really yeah. in a way in that cafe. Well, that's such a so, that's such a beautiful illustration just from a kind of personal growth as well as a business standpoint of yeah. being being authentic, kind of finding out who you are and not trying to be something else. That's a, I mean, that's a yeah. tough lesson to, you know, you, yeah. you think what you need to do in the restaurant industry yeah. is do what everyone else does and compete with them. But if, if you're not yeah. wired for that, it's going to kill you. And that's just a really, yeah. it's a, it's a beautiful illustration. Yeah. So and it, back, yeah, about, that's a, sorry, that's that, a very good point you made because the second time round, I remember, I think Anne said, we just have to be who we are, you know, and, and then it will work and it did you know it, it, it did so you're 
correct about that, Isaac. So backing up just a little bit, I mean, yeah. what are you and, and your husband must be somewhat adventurous by nature to, to go from, <laughs> you know, to go to the farm and then from the farm to say, let's buy this building and turn it into a, a restaurant, something you've never done before. I mean, was that scary? What what was that conversation like when you decided to, to do that? Do you know what? Um, yeah, we are adventurous. We are, we, we really are adventurous. And um, I think we just got really, really... No, what happened, it, we, we went into... Because it was a cafe, and then we went in, and there was a poster on the wall saying, this building is for sale. And we both looked at each other, and it was kind of like we... Because we'd always been in that building, and it was a, it's a beautiful building. And then we kind of had a moment where we thought maybe we could buy this <laughs> and um and we and then we pursued it and and it it was kind of exciting it was a very exciting period it was quite um yeah it was quite a roller coaster uh, because it was all new and um but it was fun as well it was it was a very fun time so when you, you you moved then back to England for a bit, uh, what was yeah. that was after after you had been doing the restaurant for a while? Yes, yes. You were just ready yes. for a change. Yeah, you know what we always said when the kids were around. So so we've got twin daughters and a little boy, and we always said when the kids were around about seven. Uh, so the girls were around about seven. We'd like to go back to the UK and be more focused in Europe. And um, yeah, so so. We did. We it, that I mean that was a, a big leap as well because we I mean I'd been there for we've both been there for 15 years in South Africa mm. and we we sold everything pretty much. We just we just kind of scaled down and we just had our bags and we left and we went to the UK. So it was it was a bigger jolt than I than I thought it would be. I think it was it was very strange going from having lived in Africa, South Africa, to going back to the UK. Um, but I think it was probably, I'm quite fatalistic about things, so I think it was a necessary jolt. But it was it was strange coming back into that environment after having been away for so long. I mean, 15 years of my very, form, of a very formative part of my life, I think. Yeah, now were you yeah. both, did you just have savings or were you working freelance? Did you, or did you have uh, employment lined up in England? What was, you know, what was yeah. that? Was that scary as well? Yeah, I mean, it was scary. It was kind of, you know, it was, no, we didn't have masses of savings at all. So it was, and my husband was working on a project. So it was, it was kind of a hairy moment, but it was one of those moments where you know in your soul that you actually, you really need to make a shift now. And we really felt like for our kids and for our family that we had to make that shift and we did it, you know, and it wasn't easy and it was tough. And there were times when we thought, oh, you know, <laughs> but actually, you know what? I've had that exact same yeah, thought. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It wasn't easy, but you know, and we had, we, we had lovely friends and lovely family. And so but it was it was a big it was a leap you know it was a big leap um, uh, into the unknown well not the unknown because we know England but it yeah it wasn't like we had you know a big sort of cushion to look after us but we had we had enough to get by you know so so it wasn't and, that, and that wasn't the last leap that you made then <laughs> then you made then, yes I think tell, tell me about Italy. 
Well, you know, um, we so we, we were in the UK for a couple of years, I think about a year and a half. And um, and I think, you know, Ant and I, and, and, and the kids, I guess, we, I mean, we spent a long time in a very, very warm um, environment. And it sounds very shallow to just say about the weather, but it, you know, going back into the UK was a little bit like going back into something, um, I, I, it's hard to put into words, but we wanted to, to, to go somewhere warmer, and go somewhere where the sun shines and where we can be outside more, you know. And so, um, and we, within all this, you know, within when I was in, when we were in South Africa, we'd also been doing a lot of research about alternative education and schooling. And so we had um, we had a link um, to. I heard um, about a school, an alternative school, opening up in Italy, which was a kind of I don't know if you know about. Summerhill School in England. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a kind of Summerhill type school. So there was also that kind of in the potential horizon. Uh, so we made the decision. In fact, Ant made the decision. I think, in a way, one rainy afternoon in in a kitchen in England, and he looked at me and he said, "Do you think we should just go to Italy and maybe I'll just buy one way tickets?" And then I kind of looked at him and said, "What do you mean not come back?" And he said, um, yeah, maybe like that. And then I remember thinking, well, yeah, let's let's go. And so and so, you know, and, and the way kind of life can be, we made inquiries. My dad lives in Italy, so we made inquiries and asked my dad, do you know of anywhere to rent? And he, you know, the way these things often can play out, he said, that's so weird. I was at dinner last night with some friends and they want to rent their place for three months and it's X amount and do you want it? And we were like, ah, oh, yes. And then we suddenly thought, oh, is it gonna be really expensive? You know, and then it was incredibly well priced. And we were like, let's go, you know. So so it was kind of like the, it was like the doors just suddenly flew open. And um, so we ended up going to Italy and yeah, that was three and a half years ago and we're still here. So, um... Tell me a little bit about, you said you came across some, some books. When, when did you start getting interested in alternative education? Was this a, a deliberate, okay, now we have kids, we need yeah. to study what we need to do to be good parents? Uh, or was this something you sort of stumbled upon? What was that process like? Well, for me, um, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I, I was doing, I actually went on a research trip with my, with a friend called Mary Germani. I did this, this um, trip where I went, I, for 18 days we went to Mozambique and we worked with kids throughout um, Mozambique on a literacy project. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And, um, and throughout that project, I kind of had a lot of time to reflect and the kids were quite young. I, I don't, yeah, the kids were tiny at that point. And I, I and she just handed me this book from, uh, about Summerhill. And I read the book. Um, I don't know if you've you've read it. And um, when I read that book, it, there was so much in it that kind of really unlocked me and made me think, "Wow, they really can things can be done really differently." And it was kind of like there was such a deep resonance for me with that book that um, when I came back from Mozambique, I showed the book to Ant and he read it and I, it, I, 
you know, I don't think it was just the book. I think it was a whole load of things happening at one time when we thought maybe we can do this differently. And so already when we were in South Africa, we had, um, at, you know, we'd had quite a few experiences of doing alternative education with the kids because we, uh, there were various families that got together and, and kind of ran a little school with, and, and so it was all a little bit alternative um, from the get-go really. And then, and then they went into a more um, conventional system and every time they went into a conventional system, it, it didn't feel <laughs> like they were enjoying themselves or that the, their lights were shining and that they were playful. And so I think, I think it was a kind of, I, we noticed the way they were and the way it, it, the way we felt, you know, from a gut level, we thought that there must, there can be a different way to do, to do this. So it was kind of a for me. It was a series of moments. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that I, I kind of like the way you described that their their light wasn't shining. You kind of see that spark in kids and really yeah. in in adults too. And yeah. there's few things sadder than when that's that's gone. There's that dullness. There's just there's just a little bit less of that kind of sense of of life of being alive. And that's. I think yeah. that's something that we're too quick to abandon and just say, well, life's tough. Work's not yeah, always yeah, fun. School's school. not always fun. You know, and, and I think that's something, man, you don't want to let that go out, especially at, yeah. at such a young age. You know, I'm also um, interested, the, the way you said uh, you read this book and it, it wasn't just the book. No. It was kind of like the I've often had this, too, where you read a book and, and the reason it resonates with you is because there was all this stuff going on, on on a subconscious level or all these experiences, things were yeah. building and then somebody finally put it into words and you were like, that's it. That's what's been yeah. going on inside me, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, I mean, his, his book, I mean, I, it, it well, what's is, the, it's what's the, the title of the book? Because I'm, I'm very familiar with the Sudbury it, Valley School and I've heard of yeah, Summerhill, but I haven't yeah. read. I think the book is just called Summerhill and it's by A.S. Neal. And, you know, I mean, it, in a way, lots of it is quite outdated. And there's bits where I'm, I don't necessarily agree. Um, but, it, I mean, he, I think he was incredible. And, you know, he was, I think, if I'm right, he, was, he started Summerhill around about 1940. So what he was doing at that period in history was kind of unbelievable. And the things he, he just, in the book, he seems to kind of like catch the spirit of, in, from my perspective, he seems to catch the spirit of the playfulness and the curiosity of children in such a magical way and keeping it open and keeping them alive and and keeping them curious about the world. And um, I suppose I think kids are so curious. Mm. And it was when, when uh, for me, I suppose... Uh, when curiosity was turning to drudgery, I kind of, uh, I thought this isn't, this doesn't look like that they're having as much of a fun experience yeah. with learning as they actually really could. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so now you are this uh, English, South African family yeah, in Italy. Smash, yes. And... I mean, was that hard when you arrived? Do you do you speak Italian? Did you when you first arrived? 
Yeah, I do speak Italian because um, my my dad. Uh, well, I've been back and forth to Italy a lot since when since from when I was a child, okay. and so I do. You know, I had a a kind of basic basic Italian, and you know, I mean, you know that kind of cliche you hear about kids. Oh, they learn languages really quickly, and I'm always like, yeah, well, <laughs> really, and they really do. And so you know, I, I mean, it, we. We spent the first few months kind of really up a hill in the middle of nowhere, hardly seeing anybody. So they didn't really learn the language that quickly in the first few months. But we were very, 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 very fortunate to go to this alternative school, um, uh, which was near where we are living now. And um, it was a it was based on a kind of summer hill principle principles. And um, it was full of alternative families actually from all over really but mainly italian german austrian um quarter pakistani it was just a mix of uh, of lots of different children and lots of different languages but um they were immersed in this kind of alternative education for, i think for about a year and really really, really i was there a lot because i was i was helping out and really after about two months maybe even less they were they were sort of saying mom can you just stop translating and i was i was like <laughs> i was amazed so so they they learned it incredibly quickly and it's got to that point now where <clears throat> it was actually got to that point a while back when we were all in the car driving somewhere and i heard them with their friends cracking a joke and i didn't get the joke <laughs> and, I and i realized I thought and I, I, it was a kind of moment, you know, when you're like running a race and you see your children like running way faster than you. And I was like, it's happened. I'm that woman who can't speak as well as her children. <laughs> so so <laughs> what is, I'm very proud of them. I'm very proud of them. Oh, that's I mean, that's just absolutely that's amazing. It's so yeah. fun. What, now, so yeah. kind of your daily life now, you, you yeah. and your husband, are you both your illustrating work and his filmmaking work? Is that something that you're able to do? Uh, from home, or does that involve a lot of travel? Um, well, you know, actually, he's he's not doing filmmaking at the moment. He is um, working. Um, he's got. Uh, he does something with recovery coaching. So he works um, for the Foundation of Recovery Coaching, which is his his um, baby, really. And um, he works with people who are um, working with people who are recovering from addictions or okay. um, yeah so and so he does travel yes he's just been in Vietnam so which is which is amazing so he he does travel and um and I am often doing working from home doing bits and bobs from home and holding the family really so so yes it kind of works like that that um is I mean what is that like for you that's got to be a, a big challenge to be cuz your kids now how often are they at the school and how often are they at no, home no, the school doesn't exist anymore the Oh school, it doesn't okay cuz yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that Yeah the school stopped about a year ago so um yeah you know the well do you know what we I don't know if you read in in the blog but I we do something um, we get people from WorkAway. I don't know if you know WorkAway. It's a fantastic organization. So, so basically what it means is that somebody can come and um, help us for, they do like five hours of help a day, and then we accommodate them and um, feed them. And so it's a mutual exchange. Mm. And, you know, that has been so magical for, for the kids and for me, really, because it means 
and for Ant, you know, because when Ant's working here and he's busy, it's really lovely to have an extra person floating around. And what it means is that um, often the, the person is much younger and much more interesting than I am. <laughs> so they, they can gravitate towards them. And, and I, I really, really view um, the people from Workway as part of the kids' education because they come with all their gifts. You know, with we have someone here who's a screenwriter and he's been teaching them about filming. We've had an illustrator. We've had uh, a Zumba teacher. We've had uh, another illustrator and media girl. So, you know... That's so amazing. we what, and this what is we, just through a workaway.com workaway. website. Yeah, yeah. I think it's workaway www.workaway.org. I think. Okay. But it, you know, I really, I mean, I think from when the kids were born, I really, really, we both, me and Ant, have a really strong kind of. What's important for us is community, community, community. And sometimes, you know, we've had to bring our community a little to us, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of. That's the way we do it, and that, and I, we really both um, find that highly educational for the kids as well, because people come for like six weeks or three weeks, and they. We had one girl come who was a singer, and she sang them to sleep, and she sang like Amy Winehouse, and their <laughs> jaws dropped, and we all went, oh, "You're amazing!" <laughs> and you know, it. So you know, I think that helps me. But yes, for sure, there's months in the winter where there is nobody who wants to particularly come from work away and Ant can be away and it, it, it can be tiring. But you know, I think, I think whether your kids are in school or at home, I think life can yeah. sometimes be exhausting. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so yeah. your, your yeah. website, which by the way, I haven't even mentioned until now, I guess that Ooh. makes me a, a bad host, unschooling the kids, uh, yeah. unschooling the kids.com is yeah. Fabulous, fabulous website. Absolutely love it. Um, and you've got you blog there. Uh, your husband does, and then your three kids have blogs that they it looks like they post to them from time to time. When when did you decide to launch this? I mean, because now you're you're going and you have a book coming out, which we'll talk yeah. about as well. But now you're yeah. so, sort of going from doing this in your own life to hey, let's let's kind of uh, I don't know, be a, a beacon. Let's spread the this yeah. idea. Let's kind of try, as you said, to kind of build this community, whether. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're in in the flesh or just you know across the world uh, on the internet, what what prompted you to launch the website and what's that been like? Well, exactly that, you know, exactly that community, 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 because it's um it's been amazing. I've met people, people who chat from all over, all different walks of life, and it's been really amazing for opening doors. You know, I was talking to a lovely woman called Ellen Rowland from, she's in Senegal the other day, and then talking to somebody, um, my son was talking to somebody from the States yesterday morning, and, and it kind of like, we wanted it. The idea was it was kind of like a place you could visit, and even if you're homeschooling or schooling your kids or want to, you know, want to, are curious to know what it's like and what we wanted it to be open for everybody. We didn't want it to be something that kind of was just for people who are unschooling their kids. We wanted it to kind of open the door and say, look, this is how it is. This is how for us and this is how it can be. Or the, and I like also, I love to share ideas with other people. So it was kind of like a place you could go to, um, to, to, read and leave comments and connect so for for and also i think i love writing and i like sharing the experiences then then they're not they're not always great you know <laughs> but, uh, well I, I was gonna say i love I loved your post about uh boredom that you had uh recently and and not only about you know this concept that that is pretty common in some of the unschooling literature about hey kids 
need to be okay confronting boredom and learn how to entertain themselves and how to kind of deal with that and adjust to it and, and, you know, navigate that. But also how you mentioned as an unschooled parent, sometimes you're bored. Sometimes yeah. you have yeah. to deal with that too. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, sure. kind of put into practice what you're hoping your, your kids will learn. That was a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal post. Yeah. You know, when it kind of rains for six days and sort of nothing, <laughs> you know, you I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of family life and yeah, for sure. And I suppose, I mean, because we're all together a lot of the time, you really get to know your kids and they really get to know you. And so it's kind of, that's, I think quite a beautiful thing, even the ugly bits, you know, and also all the joyous bits. So it is a very, um, it, I, I find it a really rewarding experience, actually. I, I really do. What What does a typical day look like for you and your and your kids? Okay, a typical day. Well, it, um, a typical day. Charlie, he's a really really early waker, and he wakes me up and says, "Mummy, mummy, daddy, daddy, mum, 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 can I go on the computer?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and he often. Um, so he often, he likes to get up early when the house is quiet and he loves to play Minecraft. So, and at that point I'm, and at the moment it's so hot. So we're, we're kind of, me and Ant are awake. So it, um, so he's up and have a kind of quiet, we have a kind of quiet hour or two, hour and a half. And then the girls are growing, they're growing, they're growing and they wake up later at 9 30 10 and they really 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 love to cook huge meals for breakfast so um they like they really love leftovers so it's really unconventional um it's not like we have cereal at the table they come when they want and they open the fridge and they often make these incredible like big piles of mashed potato with tomato and pesto and so that's um, what they do. And then in the morning, if there's a work away person here, it means, it's often a time when I get to duck out for a couple of hours and I go and do some illustration or some writing. And then what the kids do is they, they follow their projects, if they're working on projects, if they've, if they've got things that they want to get on with, they follow their projects. And then um, we always meet for lunch at one o'clock and we have a, a, a rotor. So we, everybody gets to share the cooking. So whoever's on cooking that day cooks and we, and, and that's great because we've, they've turned into great little cooks. Okay. We sometimes need to support Charlie, although he's been brilliant at the last <laughs> meals. He's been brilliant actually. So, so, and so that's that. And then the afternoon, they just, they just do their own thing. So, and then in the evening, we generally eat at about seven or eight. So our day is kind of like, um, yeah, it flows, you know. And yeah. sometimes in the afternoon, we go out and do things. But, you know, they really follow their own projects. And um, Are and these projects that, that you've, like, encouraged them to do or, or tried to structure for them? Or is this purely just things that they've chosen? Do you know what? It's things that they choose. And sometimes they really want a bit of... Um, they want a bit of guidance and they want some ideas and they want to, you know, in fact, the other night I went to, to tuck them in and Olive, my daughter said, mom, can you give me a project? And like, if I don't do it, be really mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and then we all laughed. And then, and then the, the other two said, yeah, me too, me too. And so I, I then, so that night I went to bed and I listed out um, 12 projects 
uh, really different projects, all kind of all over the spectrum, you know, all different types from science to filmmaking to theatre to whatever. And I presented the projects to them in the morning, asked them to choose, and um, and they were they were great. They the three of them this week have ran with three different individual projects, and they've now decided that they want to go through the, the girls, especially want to go through the whole list. Which is which is really 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 wonderful, you know, because then they they run with things that they're they're driving, and it comes from a a deeper passion because something in the question really fires them up. Yeah. Now with so, your son on the the Minecraft stuff, do yeah. you, you know, because a lot of parents will will have this feeling. Well, look, if I unschool my kids, they'll literally just play video games all day long. Yeah. Do you have to? Do you have some sort of limit there? Do you negotiate something, or does he just not want to do it after a certain amount yeah, of time? No, I think he 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 would play it all day long. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. He absolutely loves it. And I suppose this is where we're not radical unschoolers, because in a way, you know, um, we do put some limit on on his um, time on the computer. So because I, I, I suppose because you know, physically, he's sitting there at the computer and there's a whole world out there. So, yeah. you know, and he, 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 it's frustrating for him. And who knows, you know, as a parent, who knows when you're right? Sometimes I look at the radical unschoolers and, I, and I, I think they're amazing, you know, and I think, wow, maybe they've got it completely right. And then I sometimes I think, well, maybe we've got it right. And then, do you know what I mean? So it's a journey. It really yes. is a journey. But, but for now, what feel, I think the answer for us is what feels right in our hearts and sort of minds, our soul, you know, when it's not feeling right, then maybe we need to put a boundary around it. And I think that that's what's happened with the computer time. So he does have a boundary around his computer time. Like he can't spend the night throughout the night playing Minecraft or he can't spend the whole day playing Minecraft. So we do put a boundary around it. We do for sure. Yeah. We, you know, we have a similar, um, sort of situation with my son and, and we have some, we have some boundaries with it and we're, you know, it's always sort of up for negotiation. We can be flexible, but there's, we do have some limits and there are times where for the most part, I mean, it feels like the most right of any of the ideas I can come up with thus far, but there are times where I wonder, am I just, Am I am I just failing to see the yeah. new world? Am I just an old yeah. fuddy-duddy who's like, yeah. you know, get out there and dig a hole, son, <laughs> yeah. you know? Come and plant some vegetables with me. <laughs> no, I'm not interested. Oh, you're not. You know, it's so interesting. We talk about this so much because, you know, yeah, I mean, we're all scripted in our heads as to how we think life should be and yeah. what's good and what's not good and so you know I mean I talk I think about this so much and and I, I I write about it a bit in the book about the fact that you know unschooling the kids is one thing but unschooling the parents is a is, has been a yes. big job you know and I, th I thought I was really free I come from quite sort of alternative hippie parents you know I they're you know, my you know lovely artistic people and um and I realized I'm actually not They've taught me that I have had to really free up my my ways of being in the world with yes. them, you know, my thinking. And that has been kind of, yeah, that has been really interesting. I think unschooling the kids could be book one and unschooling the parents maybe book two. Yeah, no, you know, it's interesting. It's it's such a it's such a process. And we, you know, I grew up uh, homeschooled and, and in, in practice it was pretty loose and it was like almost borderline unschooling at times, but the thing was the the whole time my mom and, and all of us kids, we kind of 
felt like that was bad. Like our lack of structure, we felt like a little bit guilty about it. Like we were sort of cheating. And so having that mindset, even though I intellectually understand unschooling and I'm, I'm excited about it and I want to do it for my kids, I still have like these like where I'll feel all of a sudden like panic or guilt, like, oh my gosh, like, wait, shouldn't my kid, my kids should be doing something more productive. Like, you know, you just, you, you have yeah. those freak out moments. Well, I want to ask yeah. you, yeah. Um, yeah. Let, so, let's say there's a parent who's listening that says, yeah. okay, this sounds really interesting, except you have this, this very adventurous setting and life yeah. for your kids that I, I, I get it. They get all these rich experiences, yeah. but what if I'm just living in a, a house or an apartment in, you know, the middle of Des Moines, Iowa, and there's nothing interesting going on. Yeah, I don't think cool. unschooling would be very beneficial for my kids. Like what, what would you say to someone who feels like they are unable to kind of have that same sort of adventurous yeah. setting? Yeah, well, you know, I'm sort of loath to give advice to anybody because I think it comes from a deeper place of sort of, um, as a friend said to me, you know, it comes from the heart. I think that if you, I don't know, I'd speak for myself, that the feeling of wanting to change something is a very deep thing. And if somebody really feels that, you know, that something's not working out for their kids and they really want to make a change, I think regardless of whether they're in a, I mean, we're very fortunate. We're in a very lovely setting. And, you know, I think regardless of wherever you are, if you want to make that change for your kid and if it comes deeply from your heart, you you can make it, you know. But I think only the person who is listening to this and wants to make that change will make the change. And whether the kid wants to make the change as well. So, I, I, I you know, I do. And I, I mean, obviously, you know, if if it's kind of the setting isn't, as great as they would like it to be there's so much out there also on the internet you know which is really wonderful and I think your what you know I think your world opens up wherever you are really if your mind is open because there's so much going on out there that um interesting people and interesting uh, websites and creative things going on I think you can make magic wherever you are really I really do yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that that we found, and again, this day taken us surprisingly long to to actually internalize it. But when you do unschool, you've got all these really cool opportunities to do things yeah. in the middle of the day when nothing is busy. Yes, you yeah, can you take can your kids to to you know what anything. I mean, whether it's just to go play putt putt golf, or you can go, you know, you can ask somebody who uh, has a repair shop if the kids yeah, can come in and sure. see it. Whatever you want to do. And, and you don't face the rush hour traffic and the crowds and all these different things. And it, it's, it, you realize like the world around us is actually when you're not on the same schedule yeah. as everyone else, it becomes much more interesting. There's so yeah. much more available to you. You know, the neighborhood uh, bike path is not busy and yes. during the day and all these different things. Yeah. And then you raise a really good point. You know, I mean, you, you can always step out of your apartment or whatever and go and see what's out there in the world and what, what your child could what grabs your child and perhaps your child really likes to look in a shop and see how it works. And people, I think, can be incredibly generous to open up the world to your children as well. You know, so so I think there's I think there's a lot out there. And it, it in a way, yes, it's great to live in a wonderful place, but you can make um you I think a work for us, I'll speak for us, our world opened up when we took our kids kind of out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your book. You have a, um, 
a book that will be coming out sometime soon, sometime this year. Soon, yes, yes. Okay, and uh, it's just titled Unschooling, and on the cover it says um, six keys. Um, Let me let me just get the wording right here. The six keys to our children's future, and it lists those as play, creativity, community, big picture living, uh, embrace everything, and to live is to learn. you want to first, you know, let me know what what prompted you to write the book, and then maybe kind of break down some of the key insights. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think we were we were we just thought it would be really really nice to share our experience, just to to put it down on paper. And it, it was it's an inter- it's been a really interesting process because actually. You know, when you write a book, it actually really makes you consider what you're doing at a kind of, not that we don't consider what we're doing at all, but when you're writing it out to try and explain it or talk about it, it makes you really, really have to work through, clarify your thoughts in a way. And um, so we had a, we had this idea. We thought, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a great project to write a book about, about our experience and about what we think for us works? So, and then it may well work for other people. Who knows? You know, everybody, everybody is different. So, so we just kind of, um, so that's what we've done, and we're, we're working through the book now. And it's it's um, it's been a really really interesting process because we also my husband and I are very different, so we have different ways of uh, approaching things and and talking as well. So it's been quite an interesting journey working together because I write my bits. And um, and then he writes his, and we don't sometimes for a long time we didn't show each other our <laughs> work, and only because <laughs> he's really clever. No, no, it's not just that like, I'm really clever too, but he's really clever. No, I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> it's just um, he just, we have very different ways of um, working, you know, of writing, and it was interesting because I didn't want. You know, it's like that thing when you're writing a book, you don't want to read someone else's work because you you might some end up kind of regurgitating Mm -hmm. what they're saying accidentally so we kind of split it up so he did he's been doing his part and I've been doing mine and now we're in the process of putting the the two together which is really interesting and we're on the same page totally but it's very nice it's been a really lovely process and we just break break down um like you say these six key points and it's been and it's funny I was thinking because I I knew you were going to ask me this question and it's a really strange process but when I write I almost can't remember what I've written, which is a really, really not great when you're trying to talk about what you've written. <laughs> it kind of like comes from, it just comes through me and I write it. And um, and it's a really odd thing. It's a kind of... Um, so you're, yeah, really, like, you're really in the moment when you're writing and whatever is kind of flowing through you then comes out. And then that moment when it's over, it was like something that happened then, but you don't, you don't necessarily remember it because it wasn't, it wasn't structured, you know, ahead of time. It's yeah, kind of no, just, it, no, it, it, it's all structured, um, ahead of time, but it, it's just, it kind of comes through, through me and it's hard to explain. And it's really, I'm very clear, but often I look back at what I've written and I, I think, wow, did I, oh, okay. It's really an odd process writing. Um, um, huh. when, for me, when I write, it's a really interesting process. Um, so it's, um, yeah, so that, that's been a whole journey. And basically the book is to, to, it's kind of, um, to also to inspire other people. And, you know, I mean, I know for a lot of people, it's not easy to homeschool or unschool or it's a huge leap. And we really wanted the book 
not to be um, scary, if that makes any sense, or not to put people off. We wanted the book, because I think I would have liked to have had a book where I could just look at it and not feel like, oh, I don't, this looks all daunting, you know. So we yeah. wanted it to be accessible for everybody, um, that they can get a sense of um, what it's like to unschool your kids. And, and yeah, so I really hope that it's a very down-to-earth, accessible book with a few guides to help people in the process. I really, I mean, I think it's a, for us, it's been a wonderful journey. So if we can inspire other people, that's a wonderful thing. Or even, you know, I think unschooling is a mindset. Even if you unschool your kids on a weekend, you know, it's a kind of way of being where you just step back a little bit. And mm. and for us, we've been, the whole process has been learning to just step back a little bit. So yeah, so we wanted it to be accessible for everybody. So that's that's a little about the book. Oh, that, that's absolutely wonderful. Does it make sense? Yeah, oh, does that yeah. Make sense? yeah, really. I, I like the, um, the use of the unschooling as a mindset and understanding yeah. that, you know, you, you start to implement it in any ways that you can, and then kind of yeah, I think as it sort of transforms you little by little, see where it takes you. But it really is. It's a different way. At least I've found for myself, it's it's a different way of viewing parenthood, of viewing uh, learning, and and you see your children in a different way. Not as it's not this combative relationship where it's like, okay, there's certain things that they need to achieve and they're not going to want to do them because naturally all kids are lazy. And so I've got to constantly push them to hit these different arbitrary benchmarks yeah. and it's always work and they're always unhappy and I'm always unhappy. Like that's kind of the default that I think a lot yeah. of people have. And when you, when you take that mindset off, you sort of yeah. see things differently. Very and like, and I heard, yes. And I heard that in your, in your, sorry, I interrupted you. Not um, at all. Um, in your conversation that you had with your son, mm -hmm. I was so wonderful. I just, I just, I heard you two chatting, and I was like, I need to get in touch with this man and his son. You know, because you could hear, really hear the kind of like um, free flow between the two of you. It was really, really enchanting. You know, and there was a sense that you were kind of equal. You know, there was an e equal um, equalness about the two of you. It was very beautiful to hear you both talk. That is very inspiring. We had it on full blast. <laughs> listen to it whilst kind of chomping their breakfast, curling their fingers in their hair, listening. <laughs> oh, that's, that yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad you, you reached out to me and that led to, uh, to us talking here. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, that it's humbling to try to see your kids as to, to not have this mindset that like you are somehow above them and to try to see yeah. them as just they're, they're autonomous humans as well yeah. with dignity and yeah. their own desires. And, um, you know, in, in my son's case, it, I think he kind of helped push us to unschooling because yeah. he was one of those kids that like just would not be managed <laughs> and, and it was, there just yes. wasn't any other option to then to stop yeah. trying to manage him, you know? Yes. Well, what a gift he gave you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So yes. Layla, what's the future? Are you going to stay in Italy indefinitely? Do you have any big plans or is, is this kind of home for you guys now? Um, we, you know, we, I think this will be a base for now. And um, we really kind of love the idea of being able to go off and do a little bit of world schooling. So maybe if it's possible, we can um, go off and possibly spend a little bit of time in Vietnam or where, also we have this thing where my husband's away and he, he works and he doesn't, it, you know, he doesn't particularly want to be away from the family. So if there's an opportunity that we can go 
with him yeah. and carry on doing our stuff as we do and not always be apart from each other, then why wouldn't we? Because the ch childhood is going to be gone in a flash, you know. And those experiences um, are so, could be so amazing. So uh, our plan would be to have a base here. And then if we get the opportunity, if we're lucky enough to be able to go off and spend time in Vietnam or wherever, then we would really, really like to try and do that. So that's the that's the plan. Also, just to give the kids a sense of the rest of the world is not just Europe, you know. So, yeah, that that would that's the idea. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, we yeah. we kind of have a similar like we would like to to keep our home base more or less where it is, but we're gonna we're gonna try experimenting with some, um, you know, longer than vacation. We'll say times yes. uh, abroad. We're we're gonna try to do a, an Airbnb uh, house in Ecuador for six weeks uh, next yeah. year, and and just kind of kind of dip our toe in the water. And and yeah. not, unlike a vacation, we want the experience of everyday life, just to have everyday life happening in another country and um, yeah, see sure. what that's like. Yeah, I often follow the um, World Schooling Facebook page, and I just these people are just uh, sounding like it, the kids are sounding like they're having incredible experiences. And I sort of think, you know, I just think, I think uh, the older I get, the the more I realize how quick life is. You know, life's so short, and yeah. childhood is even shorter. And and I'm kind of realizing, you know, the, our girls are growing really fast. Our son's growing really fast. So. What we can do in this short magical time, which is called childhood, we will do our utmost to do, and then you know from, and then it, then it's done. They'll be wanting to be out in the world, and you know their childhood will remain a memory. But we really hope to fill their childhood up with as much wonderful things as possible, as best we can. And even if that means it's it's been tricky for us or sometimes we haven't had this and we haven't had that. I think we've, we've really tried to do as much as we can to fill our kids' lives with interesting things. My guest today has been Layla Eldridge. You can find her at unschoolingthekids.com, unschoolingthekids.com. Their uh, new book, um, Layla and Aunt Eldridge, their new book called Unschooling is coming out soon. Uh, you can follow updates about their family and unschooling more generally. Layla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.